This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Bitheads. They are a staple in the tech community I come from and have done incredible work over the past 18 years with some of the largest brands in the world, including The Simpsons, Tapped Out, Box, Optimal Payments, The New York Times, among many, many, many others. All told, they've built over 500 solutions from enterprise to entertainment. I'm proud to have them as a part of Untether.tv. Please support us by supporting them. Go to bitheads.com. everybody and welcome to untether.tv. I'm your host and founder Rob Woodbridge. Uh, a while back, I'm not even sure how many uh, weeks ago, mere weeks ago, I had these guys on to talk about their company. The company is called Mahana. It's a leading enterprise class iBeacon management platform for the travel and hospitality industries. These guys are actually uh, in the midst of a huge change in direction, still inside of the hospitality industry, but we're going to get to deep down into the story around what it is that they've done, the things that they've learned, the lessons that they can impart on all of us on how to find your spot, how to find your niche in this big, big, big world of beacons and mobile and marketing and how not to be intrusive on your customers. We're also going to talk a bunch of things, a brand new advisor that they brought on a heavy heater is what they call him. His name is Jack Tanner. We're going to talk about how they managed to secure a guy like him and then what the impact of having him on their advisory group did with their business model. We're also going to be talking about what's possible with this platform, the transition from restaurants into uh, this hospitality, hotels and casinos, and also where does this industry go? So without further ado, you guys actually might recognize my, my guest. It's Brian Manel, who's the co-founder and CEO of Mahana, and Richard Bagdonas, the co-founder and CTO, the other co-founder. Guys, welcome. Welcome back. Hey, Rob, how are you? Thanks for having us back. I'm great. I love having you guys. We should do this just weekly. Just change okay. change direction weekly, man. <laughs> well, you are experiencing Mahana every time we get together. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, you know the response from the last episode was great because this is an emerging industry. People were fascinated by what you guys are doing, and especially in the restaurant industry. And we had a good conversation around how does this scale. And obviously, over the last couple of weeks, couple of months, it would seem, and probably before we sat down and had our last episode, you guys were thinking the same thing in your head, and it's probably been a something that's been germinating. But wh why don't you explain where you were and where you are now? Yeah, you're probably responsible for this, Rob, because <laughs> people saw this podcast, and uh, you know, part of it is that we got uh, lots of. Uh, inbound calls, interest, saying, hey, can you help us with our Beacon initiative? We're trying to do this with Beacons, trying to do that. And we kept saying, no, we're focused on what we're doing now. We're focused on the consumer mobile product, and we're focused on our Austin uh, launch. And finally, after a while, we said, look, if people keep asking you to do something and you keep saying no, maybe there's a market there you should <laughs> So it's all your fault. Ding, ding, ding. I think that, that's smart. Yeah. And when you say responsible, you know, when somebody always used to say that to me, it's like, oh, Rob, this is your responsibility. It's always a negative implication. So that's why I shied away from that. Um, but uh, yeah, this is good. So tell me, what, what do you guys, you guys square in the restaurants. Your focus, as you said, was, was right in the middle of the restaurants. You wanted to help people have a great experience while in the restaurant, which led to bigger bills, which is, you know, bigger basket in the restaurant and also more loyalty with the customer base that were coming in and out of the restaurant because it's such a competitive space and you were doing stuff locally in Austin uh, with a number of restaurants. That's where you were, right? 
Yeah. Then what happened? Right. Well, I mean, if you can imagine, most everybody in payments and the rest of the world is, and especially in loyalty, are looking at consumers at the end of their time at a restaurant or wherever they're at. Um, unfortunately, you have no way to affect what they experienced all the way up until that point. Well, with Mahana, our approach was to get to the beginning of the experience and welcome them in. You know, Mahana, the welcoming of the guest as they come in rather than as uh, than the aloha, which is, you know, saying goodbye to them at the end. And that concept continues to be pervasive in what we offer uh, to folks out there in the, in the rest of the world. But, you know, Brian? but the yeah. industry shift? Um, you know, the, the shift, I guess, you know, for us, we can, we can make the platform work in a variety of in industries or instances. Um, but we really wanted to pick things, I think, where uh, people weren't, right? So we see a large part of the industry going after retail and grocery and pushing coupons and pushing offers and pushing ads. And we thought that was okay. But there's a lot more um, interesting things you can do with, with understanding proximity locations than just uh, coupons and offers. So that kind of drove us to the, the other parts of hospitality, you know, um, uh, sort of tangential to restaurants. You know, thinking about hotels, hotels, large hotel properties have restaurants on the property. Large hotels have casinos in them, right? So these things actually all go together. Um, so it's a, it's a vertical, it's an ver interesting focus, but uh, as a vertical, it's still, still pretty big. So One of the things that, I mean, hotels are little villages, right? contained yeah. controlled you know there's there's not a lot of how do you say like, i mean most most of the things that go on in there are temporary like the guests come in and out um there's a high traffic rate for good for good hotels and and i, I like to think of it as uh you have a captive customer and that's why you can charge eight dollars for a cup of coffee in some hotels right as long as you give them an experience that they're willing to spend their money at your hotel right one of the things that hotels hate is when you um, book a hotel room for the evening, go down to the front desk, and then leave and go across the street and eat when they have a restaurant inside. Yeah. Um, you might go to the casino across the street, but stay, you know, in one in another hotel. Um, these are things that hotels are their margin with you as a consumer um, goes out the door with you when you leave. It's a it's a very transient space, and so our focus is really capturing more revenue while you're on property and giving you reasons to stay on property. That's interesting. So, so the transition from, you know, getting you to come back often, which, which might be a stretch for hotels, right? Um, but the, the idea here is just like in a retail outlet or a, a grocery store ultimately is to, is to fill up your basket with more than you normally would. So to keep you for everything inside there, right? Yeah, loyalty is huge, and you know they want you to get into the loyalty program, right? So that you know, we think about traveling to a market somewhere. You think, oh, what's that chain I'm loyal to? I want to book a stay there, right? And so you accumulate points. You're there again and again. So imagine, Rob, if you were going in a hotel somewhere, and you walk in the door, and as you walk in, uh, you know, maybe you get in the back of that long line to get your room key, and someone pulls you out and says, "Oh, Rob, so glad to have you back. Don't wait in that line. I've already got your key ready for you." Right? It's like. How loyal are you going to be to the hotel if you have that specialized service? And the cool thing is, is that um, that is afforded to you at the price of a twenty-dollar plug-in beacon, right? So the technology is incredibly affordable to to allow you to provide something that's actually very, very meaningful to a guest. I would, and, I would, I would hug the guy. Yeah, and because we understand spend, let's say you're at the pool and you wanted to uh, purchase something at the pool, the beacon lets the the staff know that you're there. 
one of the most frustrating things is to go out to the pool, nobody's there, nobody comes by, and we would have loved to have a margarita or say a rum punch at the pool, but because they didn't come out and know we were there, they just lost that revenue. Well, Mahana gives them the opportunity to signal to staff that there's somebody out by the pool. And not only that, they can tell what that person likes to eat, what that person likes to drink, so they can make recommendations and make their experience personalized. It, it, it sounds uh, utopian. <laughs> and, and, yes. I, and I like that a lot. Is it, um, you know, but the, there's, the, the outcome here is ultimately that the, the hotels benefit from more action, more dollars being spent inside of, inside of their hotel. Right. That's that's the ultimate goal. So if you guys don't demonstrate that it, you're just another you know, tool that doesn't work for them. Right. So how do you how do you do that? Is that the perfect example? Is that, you know, welcoming me? But that's not really a revenue generator because I'm in there. So how do you keep me inside of a hotel, you know, captive as as you will? Right. I mean, imagine, too, that, um, you know, with the, the tools that we have, that's not just about greeting you, but, you know, they can take notes about you as a customer or what you like. Yeah. Um, uh, I mentioned if our technologies in, in restaurants and you're capturing you know your information there, maybe um, because of your uh, interactions, they know that you're a vegetarian. So you know when you when you got greeted when you walked up, uh, maybe there's three restaurants at that hotel, and knowing that you're vegetarian, they can recommend one that has the best vegetarian menu and can suggest a reservation for you and kind of book you right there, right, and keep you and keep you on property. So um, so I think you know once. Uh, it's it's a little bit of, of value extraction, right? How do we keep you there? But um, but I think it's a it's about the returning, you know, the, the people that make the most money. I think for for these hotels is the the business traveler that travels frequently, and they want to get that loyalty. And imagine Rob, if you as you walked up and you were greeted, the people that you are with sort of look at you like, who are you? How, how did you get that, that? Who are you? Right? It's like um, you know you get that rock star treatment, right? It's like everybody loves that. So everybody loves to be to be treated like a VIP and loves to be treated specially. So and it and it doesn't cost money, right? It doesn't cost money to provide that personal greeting to somebody. Um, so it's not a hard cost to the to the hotel chain or to the restaurant or to the spa or the golf operations or anything like that. So so there's it certainly can provide some some upsell opportunities, other things going on at the property. The more you know about somebody. The more personalized you can make those interactions and suggestions about ways that they can more take advantage of what the hotel might offer. And and Rob, there's a there's a three there's three um, legs to the stool here. Um, the things that we you know basically hang our hat on. The first one is the beacon management, because anybody who's gone past a pilot or a hobby stage with beacons know that it's tough to manage these things. So Mahana has you know, asset tagging, call centers that answer calls when somebody finds a beacon or a beacon needs to be replaced. We have analytics that can tell us when a beacon fails because if you have, you know, beacons scattered in a mesh environment in a hotel, how do you know which one failed? Other than the fact that people aren't, you know, people aren't signaling from that, but it could be there's nobody around there. So the management of those beacons in a platform that's enterprise grade that takes into account everything we've learned at Mahana is super important for that first pillar. The second pillar is our proximity display. So at the hotel, managers can have smart watches that show your picture pop up as you're walking up. So they know who they're talking to. They know the spend that you, that you have with them, loyalty, variety of other things about your profile. Not only can we show it on the smart watch, but we can show it at the tablet at the concierge desk. We can show it on the point of sale system at the restaurant or pool. And then the third piece, which is really important, is tracking spend. So we have integration 
uh, and can provide information back to our system about point of sale data. And the point of sale data tells us not only what you like to buy, but how much you spend in any of the properties at the hotel. So they can track you, um, and track is really a poor word. They can make sure your profile is enhanced with every piece of information they know about you across their properties. Amazing, and this is all done. The, the difference here as well is that what you guys were doing, were building a, you were building a standalone app for the restaurant industry, but now you've, you've transitioned. This, is, this gets embedded inside of the hotel app, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so right. talk about that transition, because that's, that's a big thing, because we, we talked about it last time, which was the challenge of marketing your own damn app. That's two businesses, right? You're building something for restaurants that benefits them, and then you have to convince somebody to go download an app that makes it work. So, you know, walk through that process. Why get out of the app business? Why, why work in the API SDK world? Yeah, well, here's the funny part is that as we got these inbound inquiries from people, so people saw our press uh, starting in March with, with yeah. these trials and said, wow, you guys actually have something that's in production. It actually worked. People are actually using it. You know, we could, we could use that. So as I turned to Richard and said, you know, well, Richard, could we help these companies do their own things? Um, you know, luckily, you know, Richard is an experienced architect of solutions. So Richard said, well, yeah, I just give them an API key for their mobile app and they can use all the infrastructure we have today. So um, it was uh, architected from the start to be able to have multiple apps, multiple properties, multiple things. So it didn't take a whole lot to uh, expose those inner workings in a, in a portal as people log in and use the platform uh, in a, in a, to make it more of a platform way. So it really wasn't a drastic change in technology for us. It's more of a drastic change in the marketing and positioning and, and uh, the market we're going after. So easier to, uh, to my experienced architect's credit on that one. Has it, well, has, we were, sorry, has we were, it been easier with that to sell this way? I would say so. Say it again. Has it been easier to sell it this way as opposed to, you know, a, a third party app? Um, much bigger market, right? So now you think about all the potential um, customers we have. And then, um, as you mentioned, you know, it's, it's very hard to, um, you know, build your app and then market it to uh, restaurants as customers, but then also have consumers as a whole other market you have to market to. So you really have two entirely different marketing strategies, two marketing budgets. You have really two customers to sell. And, um, and that's more difficult, so it makes it easier to really have one customer to sell uh, in this instance. And it's which comes first, right? Because when you're out there selling to the restaurants, you have to go convince a whole bunch of consumers to download it to have value to the restaurant. And the value, because the restaurant will ask, how many users do you have, right? And, and so now you've got an established audience of, of people who have downloaded, say, a big chain, a hotel chain or a, or a casino. They've, they've got their app already. And then it's about an update to their app and push it out to their audience and it's enabled. Yep. And one of the best things about this, uh, Rob, is that in iOS 7.1, Apple did something amazing. We now have the ability to put our little library inside of the iOS code at a hotel app. And if you have been marketed to to download the hotel app, but you walk in the hotel and that app isn't turned on, the Mahana Beacon will turn the app on, notify the staff you're there without bombarding you with ads or anything else, it's just whisper quiet in the background, but you still get the benefit without having to remember to turn it on. And that, that this is the first time in history that we've had the ability to uh, signal to somebody that you're there without you having the app and checking in. And, and we've taken out all that manual process. So consumer behavior um, doesn't change a bit. You just walk in the hotel, but you're greeted. You know what, I, I love to hear that because uh, you know it, it's kind of, it, it's Apple's, they have to do this 
for their yeah. ecosystem. But even in iOS 8, that has not been released at the time of this recording, but now they're talking about even taking this to the extreme level, which is location-based um, notifications on the on the notification screen on the you know on your lock screen that says when you walk in proximity to a to a, say you go into a hotel, the little hotel icon will will pulsate or appear in the bottom corner for you either to engage or download. How does that? I mean that that must be when you heard those words, you must have been thinking, yes, finally, like that's huge, isn't it for you guys? Well, it's an opportunity that uh, affords itself to a lot of benefits for folks because they know um, what's happening in real time without having to do anything. Right. right. Uh, if you're fumbling for your car keys and trying to get your wallet out to present to the people at the hotel desk when you're checking in, the last thing you're thinking about is, oh, do I have the hotel app on? Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, with Mahana, you walk into the hotel, you don't have to fumble for your ID. Your picture pops up on the, on the system up front and minutes before you get in there. Yeah. And then when you walk up, they greet you by name, they hand you your key, they make recommendations so that few seconds they're spending with you before they have to work with the next guest is spent about must managing your expectations on what things you can do rather than interrogating you on who you are. Exactly, I like that. <laughs> it sounds a little bit big brotherish too in the, in the casino parlance, but, but they can know, like if you're in the casino, uh, Rob, and um, you, are in the retail shops, you know, buying a suit or a nice watch, and you're in the restaurants, and you're spending good monies on you know nice bottles of wine, um, but you're not gambling there. They're not picking your presence up uh, at, the, at the gaming tables, or maybe they catch you by the beacon by the door at 10 o'clock at night. They're going to think, Rob's probably gambling somewhere else other than here at the casino, so they might just show up at your door with a nice little box of chips for you to go try out the casino downstairs and make you uh, more loyal and get you to use more of the uh, casino's uh, gambling uh, things that are out there. So, um, you know, there's ways to, uh, you know, use that information, uh, you know, for good and not just, uh, you know, tracking you for tracking's sake. But, you know, I think, you know, Richard talked about this a lot, you know, People will be willing to allow that and permission that kind of you know, privacy, you know, if you get if there's an exchange of value there, right? If I'm getting something for giving up this information, then I'm happy to give it up. And of course, uh, you know, Bluetooth stuff is if you want to opt out, you just turn your Bluetooth off, and you know, nobody's saying anything for you. So it's a it's a real easy. We we call it kind of like the triple opt-in. So I've downloaded the app, I've run it and told it who I am, and I've turned on my Bluetooth, right? So I sort of opted in multiple ways, and there's a really easy opt-out too if you if you don't want to play. If you want your anonymity, I was I was gonna I, I thought you were going towards like, hey, if they find out that you you're not playing in our casino, they would send Bruno and Biff up to your room and bring you down and tie. No, but they won't do that. You never. <laughs> this is the fingers. '60s anymore. This is you know they they have much uh, more advanced ways to incent you to spend at the uh, casino and still have your fingers at the end of the day. Right? You know, and I think. Go oh, ahead. go ahead. Ron. No, no, no. I was, I was gonna crack another joke, but uh, you know, oh, you know <laughs> I, sh I shouldn't be cracking jokes here. Thinking a little bit down the road on this, um, and you know, we're trying to think a bit in the in the future, but um, we think there's some really interesting as we look at hotels and casinos and these hospitality properties um, and airlines and things like that. They have co-marketing partnerships together, um, you know, brands and all these organizations. And so, um, if we were lucky enough to be able to have some you know major hotel, casino, whatever brand is a customer, and also lucky enough to have some other, uh, you know airline or hotel brand or restaurant brand or whatever, you know, we could actually broker some data sharing between them, 
right? Okay. So they're already going to market together um, in some ways. We could really enable much richer marketing that's more uh, precise and, and offer something more value to the customer when they know more about them and what they're doing. So it's a little bit uh, down the road for us, but um, it's something that we think about that's uh, really interesting. You know, I was, I was at a strategic retreat uh, just this week and um, where I spent two days working with a company. And part of that is, you know, you know looking at stadiums, and, and the opportunities within stadiums. And I, I quite that same thing with, with hotels. Uh, but the thing with a stadium is that they might have 40 or 50 different partners and sponsors. And, you know, if you go to a hockey rink, they have the, you know, the ring of advertising around it. And all of those are potential interactions, right? So uh, here in Ottawa, we have the Ottawa Senators and they play out at the Canadian Tire Centre, which is our, our stadium. And they have 40 different sponsors that go along that rung. And the idea is that I have the Ottawa Senators app Maybe I have the Marriott app for you guys, same thing. And then as I walk out with that app, because it is now, I have that downloaded because I'm a Sens fan. Um, and I, I walk into like a booster juice or a restaurant or something like that that is a partner. That that, that really does, exactly as you said, that ties this this relationship even, even tighter, doesn't it? Because they're sponsoring, say, the Senators and the uh, Canadian Tire Center, but they're getting benefit from me walking in their store because they've identified me as a Sens fan, and that brings this whole thing together between locations. That's what you're talking about? Yeah, and they know what branding you saw, too. Yeah. So, like, they know you were there, and they have branding there. Maybe uh, they have end caps, right? Yeah. So uh, they know that you might be walked by something. Um, and even location, right? So if you were, maybe you were in a private suite at the game, uh, they might market something different to you, right? right. The higher-end vodka brand or something than the light beer if you were in the nosebleed receipts in the stands or something. No like such that, thing so. as light beer in Canada, man. No such thing as light beer in Canada. I'm in Canada at a hockey <laughs> so, arena. You don't drink light beer. Agreed. Right. So all those things, uh, you know, absolutely they're interesting to brand advertisers. So if you are, I can imagine the Senators, you know, as they go back to those brand partners every year and say, hey, we want you to re-up for next season, right? They can offer up something new, which is not just like put your signs up, but Let's share information about who's coming and when and what they're seeing and how often and, uh, you know, m make your brand stand out in their mind and to do some better positioning. So, yeah, absolutely. So let's say, Rob, that you were at the Senators game and they scored a goal. and They don't often. Which is okay. But let's say they did. Okay. Let's say, let's say they put two in the net. Yes. Um, that night, you knew which fans were at the, at the event center because they hit the beacon. And then maybe an, a note comes up that says, hey, by the way, you know, because they scored two, uh, you know, two in the net, go to the booster juice and you will get two bucks off your favorite uh, smoothie. When they go to the booster juice on their point of sale terminal, the picture of the fan can pop up with a note that says, hey, by the way, they were at the game the other night. And when they walk in, we know they received a message here and within X number of hours, minutes or seconds, they walked over and did this. So it has that attribution of it, rather than just pushing out a message and hoping people hear it. You can actually attribute it to actionable things that people take. I love it. They have this thing at the Sens game. They probably have this across all of the NHL or any baseball, where they if they score five goals, you get a free BK broiler or like BK double bacon double patty, <laughs> you know, heart stopping uh, hamburger from uh, from uh, Burger King. And uh, so you take your ticket stub in, then you know, over the next two days or whatever, and you redeem it. Um, uh, you know, so they have little things like that, but I just I love this idea. Like you, you think about the potential around this is is far greater than than you know what our little minds, our confined little minds, are thinking about at this moment. Except for you guys, I think that this is this is fascinating. Uh, but 
But I think that the market is much bigger so, than what you do now. But was one of the key things to focus on the on the hotels and the casinos, just because you would I think you would blow your mind just by trying to understand and grasp and explain this on a broader scale with you know with retailers with sports and franchises and stadiums and so is this the way that you've niched down? I believe so. And you know people look at these case studies, all these things we're talking about that are possible now. And they can extrapolate to their own industry and say, wow, could I, could I do this in mm -hmm. oil and gas? Like I've got this, you know, absolutely, right? So, I mean, it's the nature of a platform. Um, you know, we say kind of jokingly, like, you know, platforms are kind of like plumbing and it's hard to demonstrate plumbing. <clears throat> if you don't demonstrate how great <clears throat> plumbing is, you need a toilet, right? So we always say, <laughs> we're just looking for toilets. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the uh, I, I think that, uh, people have said it best is we're industry veterans when it comes to hospitality technology. So it would make great sense to continue to look for ways that we can express our experience in the hospitality technology arena. And hotels, casinos are the next extension uh, for the traveler. The destinations, so, yeah. Absolutely, right. they're endpoints. And we expect great advice and uh, ideas from our, from our new advisor, Jack Tan, as well. So tell me about that. So Jack Tan, when did he come on? Who is he? Start with that. He is a legend in uh, uh, hotel technology. Uh, the gentleman has, uh, uh, he's based uh, out of uh, uh, Asia and worked with International uh, uh, Intercontinental Hotels Group, Allen Pond Airways. Um, he uh, was at Marriott. Uh, the guy's been in uh, hotel technology as a director of IT, CIO, and chief strategy officer uh, for many of the major brands. And we met him a few years ago. Uh, he stayed in touch with us. And as we started continuing to move, move into the hotel space, um, Jack got super excited and uh, decided he'd like to come on board. How did you meet him? Like, how, how, how did that go down? Yeah, we met him at a, at a high tech. High tech is the hotel industry technology conference. We met him at a high tech two years ago in Baltimore and uh, at happy hour and really just clicked. You know, so his sort of forward thinking views on technology, the things we were doing at the time uh, in technology were, uh, you know, we found interesting. So we clicked, uh, connected, and uh, Jack was uh, living in Japan at the time and might still be living there. Um, and so we sort of kept in touch And as, uh, over the years. And as things evolved, like this just seemed like a great thing uh, for him to engage with us as an advisor at the company. And, um, and he's right now, he's gone the more independent uh, consultant route. So he's advising lots of hotel brands across Asia and Bali and Singapore and Indonesia. And... Um, so he just has a great perspective. Given his background, you know, he's a relatively young guy for accomplishing that much. So he's kind of one of those like rising star executives in the hotel industry. Extremely well known, extremely well, well respected as well. How did, how did you, like, I, I'm just out of curiosity, how did you stay in touch with him while you guys were, you know, in the hospitality space? Then you start, you start Mahana. How, how does that conversation go where, where you, you stay in touch with a guy like that? How often did you do it? What did you say to him? Yeah, well, when we first uh, met him at uh, High Tech in Baltimore, uh, as, as Brian said, we just clicked. So we connected on LinkedIn. We connected on Facebook. Um, you know, Jack um, has a child. I have a child. We were, we were watching each other's children grow up over the last few years. And uh, we would stay in touch, and I would see pictures of him in, ba in Bali um, at the pool with a lychee martini in his hand. And all you see is a shot of his knees and his feet and the beautiful backdrop. And so we would stay in touch in that way, and then Skype. Also, is this through, like through Facebook? You would do this, like connecting with Facebook, and and so the, w w could that be the the stem here, the root for this relationship, the way that you guys stayed in touch? 
it's one of them. We also would Skype at mm -hmm. odd hours of the day. As you can imagine, the time zone difference is a little odd, but uh, it would be night here and day for him. And we just stay in touch and keep in touch. And, you know, Brian and I, um, you know, kept chatting with Jack. And uh, Jack has been extremely valuable in understanding what hoteliers are really looking for when they take a consumer focus. Because yeah. so many times people focus on, well, what's good for my business? But what's actually really good for your business is what's good for the guest who's coming in. And your benefit is when they experience something that's revolutionary. I, I mean, that statement is so profound, right? Um, people focus on the transaction, not on what leads to the transaction. Focusing on the transaction, to me, means your business is dead, right? Yeah. Like, we, we need the money. Close the deal. But it's, it's yeah, more... Yeah, discount it. Yeah. 20% off as long as they'll stay here. Anything. You don't, you don't yeah. have to do that. No, I know. Uh, just one more question about Jack, um, or a couple of questions about Jack. Is that did he initiate those conversations, those Skype calls, or was that you guys staying in touch with him? It was a bit of both. Okay, uh, so know, he was engaged. Jack, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, he's a very engaging guy. He's you. You can't help but like the guy. <laughs> well, in those conversations, as you're going through this, as you're building Mahana and in with the restaurants. Uh, was it was there any influence uh, you know in the conversations that you had with Jack as you guys were struggling through this kind of uh, you know uh, you know wayfinding I suppose is the best way to describe it where where you had this conversation and 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 uh, you know you came to a conclusion based on a conversation with Jack because I, I look at advisors as more than just names like did he help shape what you guys where you guys are today the uh, the thing about Jack and his influence is understanding um, how to operationalize the things that we're talking about. A lot of the technology, you know, we talk about the smartwatches and the tablets up front right. and knowing consumer uh, experience, uh, behavior and, and attribution to point of sale. Uh, his big focus is on simplification and elegance to make it easy for the staff to operationalize because if the staff doesn't want to do it, it'll fail. How do you, how and so we definitely take, if you hear any uh, thunder or lightning behind us, it's raining like heck in Austin right now. We just, we just had that up here, you know, yes. two or three inches of rain. So thank you very we much. Need, yeah. yeah. We needed another day where we don't have to uh, water our lawns. Yeah. So Jack really understands the industry, right? So as we, the thing that we hope is that um, this way of being able to engage with loyal customers, understand their presence and service them better becomes the standard by which uh, all hotels are, are measured, right? So someone will actually make a conscious decision to stay at one place or another because they get that personalized treatment. And in a hotel chain, you have to look at things that become, you know, anything that they adopt, you know, typically will become the standard for the brand. So there was a, a hotel chain a while back that was the first to come out with the heavenly bed. Sleep here, we've got the nicest beds, we spent lots of money on it, right? And that was their hallmark or calling card well, it didn't take long for other hotel chains to also adopt the, the heavenly bed. And it was an expensive upgrade, especially for a franchisee that's, you know, gets dictated from the from the brand. Like you have to go upgrade all your beds to these really expensive thousand dollar beds. That's a big major investment. So obviously we're hoping that this stuff becomes the brand standard at some major hotels and it just becomes the way that people expect everywhere that they stay. And from a to hardware and operational perspective, it's not an expensive one to do. So for very little investment, you get a huge uh, payback in terms of customer loyalty and, and the ability to, to uh, understand and work with your better customers. How do, you, how do you sell this into the big chains? You know, and I'll preface this by, by saying, my thinking is that going into a local restaurant and selling into a local restaurant is a lot easier 
than going into a big chain and trying to sell across a Marriott or a W or whatever it might be, right? Uh, any kind of massive change or a Hilton. Um, what, how, how, do you, how do you infiltrate these guys? Right. I think we're going to, much as you said, it's easier to sell to an independent restaurant. Um, you know, we're talking to some smaller boutique hotels mm. that are willing to take a risk and uh, do something unique and different to differentiate themselves. And then, uh, you know, we'll look at those use cases and what the value was, try and measure them as much as possible in terms of what their impact is. Because, you know, large chains are just like any large enterprise. It takes a while to affect change. It takes a while to adopt things. So they will probably be the laggards in the space. And this whole beacon industry and everything is really, really early right now, right? So, so I think we're going to work with some people that are willing to stick their necks out and take a risk. And it's probably going to be a smaller uh, boutique chain or brand. And, uh, and we'll learn from that. And then we'll probably you know, sell up from that to larger chains as they see those results and those success stories. They'll be more willing to adapt uh, on the larger side. They'll be forced to adapt. Is that, that's, what, that's the subtext right there is that they will be Oops. forced. Yeah. Well, it'll be expected upon them. Yeah, that level. What? Yeah, so I, th I think planning the, the expectations in consumers' minds about that's what they want will will really force their hand right and drag them in. So I remember reading a case study about, I think with a big, big chain like a Walmart or something, right? And, you know, they started carrying uh, organic milk, right? Hormone-free stuff. And they had a little section of it and uh, because people were asking for it. All right, let's do a few of that, right? People kept buying more and more of that, flying off the shelves. So now almost the whole dairy section is all organic, right? So if consumers demand it, consumers can actually pull a really big organization to do something. So if we can create that expectation in consumers' minds that that's what they want, then I think they will pull the brands and big companies along with them. Have you, have you ever thought about um, the loyalty cards? Like, uh, you know, Air miles and aeroplan across North America, and and th the way that you can work through those guys into the bigger chains, right? So that you know they all have their own apps. And is there a way? So you've got the, you've got the hotel, and I'm just thinking this. It just dawned on me. You've thought about this, obviously, but it's like you've got the hotel chains that are you know national, international, and then you've got these loyalty platforms that that cross all of these hotel chains that that they also are very interested in making sure that your experience is you know exquisite based on the fact that this is now you're a part of our membership which is a loyalty membership. Do you guys think about that broader play above these chains? What we can do with a loyalty platform that um, is so much different than how everybody else treats it is when, when Brian and I go into a hotel, one of us gives them our loyalty card and we get credit for that stay. However, the other one of us is an influencer on where we stay. Um, with Mahana, we recognize both guests mm -hmm. because both of us have phones. Both of us enter the property and each of us has different likes and dislikes. So rather than have a loyalty program that always focuses on who pays, um, it's fo really focusing on who stays. And it doesn't matter if they're the one um, who made the reservation, they're the one whose name is on the, on the, on the bill at the end, um, but it's everybody who stayed in the hotel can be enhanced and there's plenty of revenue um, to, uh, uh, to grab from folks that are just staying there with someone else. Right. right. And to your point, there's some big companies that, you know, these large organizations sometimes outsource those loyalty programs. So there's some big companies that basically manage these. So you know, we see them as potential customers, not just the specific brand, but you know those companies that that help to manage those programs for those brands. All right, uh, shifting shifting gear, like uh, you know, it's just it was speculation. Like I just think that 
you know, loyalty is, uh, those guys are going to be struggling. You guys have something that they could actually benefit from as well. But uh, you're right, hone your focus. And there's lots of opportunity in the, in the niche you're already in. And I don't want to push you out and back into confusion. But what was the, what was the fallout from this? Uh, so, or was there any fallout from the way that you guys transitioned from restaurants into the hotel uh, industry? I mean, what did your advi other advisors say, your early investors, your wives? you know, your employees, how, how was the reaction when you came to them and said, okay, this is what we're doing. This is the new, the new, new thing for us. Um, I mean, it was um, a little bit of a slow transition, but part of it was driven by our investors and, and those that advise us, right. To find a bigger market that we can address, find a bigger problem to solve. So, so the, the shift for us did two things. Number one, it gave us a much bigger market to address, but it also helped us focus and reduce to just finding you know one customer we had to sell in order to be successful. So it actually got achieved both things for us and got it done. Um, I think there's a little bit of disappointment from the the consumers that that use our app uh, in our test market here in Austin, um, but uh, so we'll just have to deal with that. But um, you know we might pick it up, come back to it. It's still up and running today, um, and uh, we found it an interesting. Spread. We learned a lot from it and uh, what it takes to operationalize and deploy beacons. Um, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's dead. I would say it's it's kind of running steady and we'll see what happens with it. You could send Bruno and Biff over there if they complain, right? <laughs> Got a complaint? Well, as, you could, as you could imagine, um, you know, a Mahana consumer can walk into a hotel. A Mahana consumer can walk into another restaurant and, um, you know, if they can be recognized, no matter what app is on their phone, um, you know, that is the truest expression of the platform is making sure that people have fantastic experiences no matter where they go. All right. Last question. Biggest lesson that you guys learned throughout this last year of your existence as Mahana? Painful or good lesson? Doesn't matter. For my side, the biggest lesson I've learned is, uh, you know, while these are cheap to buy, the long-term expense of dealing with broken and misplaced or consumers walking up and unplugging them from the walls. Putting them in um, your pocket. Our, yeah, we actually were at a, a conference that we had uh, put together. Uh, a, we, we beaconed the entire conference and people were walking up, including the staff at the hotel and pulling these things out of the wall. So we realized uh, quite quickly that it's not about um, how cheap you can buy a beacon. It's about how effective you can keep a beacon in place. That was the lesson that I learned. Big right? lesson. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, we learn, I think the same lesson that other people are uh, or will when they experiment in this area is that it's deceptively simple to go buy a $5 battery-powered beacon off the Internet and get a little SDK off GitHub, and, and it's exciting to, to then have the code work. And listen, oh, I heard this beacon. Like, that's great. Um, it's a whole different thing to actually deploy thousands of beacons across multiple locations and all the management that goes on uh, on the back end to make these things actually work, business rules that get fired off, the messaging matrices that, that happen. Um, you know, people uh, think, great, let's, you know, for instance, just one example, right? People might heat a bunch of beacons and then each beacon triggers a message and then consumers get over message, right? Mm -hmm. So then, you know, the average programmer, typically any technologist says, oh, I need to go create a throttling mechanism so that people only get so many messages per hour, you know, oh, I need to go 
um, have a priority for each message. So maybe if I only can send three messages, maybe just the high priority ones like go through. And there's this example after example of all the things you have to build uh, in terms of the back end to sort of manage the way these things work. And so um, that's not just one lesson, but a series of lessons. So if there's the big lesson I think is that these seem deceptively simple, but there's really a lot underneath the covers that has to be done if you're going to use this in an enterprise context. And so that's, in essence, the market that we hope to uh, to grab. Makes sense to me. I love what you guys are doing. I loved what you're doing in the restaurants because it was innovative. And I think that, as I said, you've got a captive audience inside of a hotel. And, uh, you know, metaphorically, the goal is to make it a little bit more difficult for them to go out the door and take their business across the street, right? That's ultimately what, 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 the, what the goal would be. But I think the as you said, the, the thing that overrides all of that is to give the customer the greatest experience they've ever had, starting with yes. the waiting in line the moment that they get there. Yes, and, and lack thereof line. Yes, yeah. no lines, kill the lines. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, um, I'm gonna have you back on uh, to talk about some of your successes after your pilots are done and you've got some, uh, you've got some absolute data that comes through as a result of this where, where it shows that, that uh, how, how much of a benefit Mahana is to these hotels that you're doing the trials on. And we, we can't speak about them now, but as soon as we can, I will have you guys back on and we'll have those conversations just to demonstrate that this does add the value that we think it does to the customers that you guys are targeting. Is that cool? Absolutely. And one thing to note, I don't know if you've noticed on the board behind us, um, our do we've added a domain name to the list for Mahana, and it's Mahana.io. Oh, yes. To truly uh, let people know that this is platform. And the website um, explains all of the uh, features that we have for hospitality, airlines, and travel. Uh, I, I, you know, one last comment on this is that We've, you've used this word plumbing and platform, and, and um, you know I think that we're in that I think that we're in that space right now where you've got guys like Twilio and you've got guys like Urban Airship and you've got guys like Mahana that are building literally building the plumbing for this IoT world, right? And I think that and, and and the comms layer on top of that, and then the commerce layer on top of that. But it starts with the plumbing, and and for me. You know, people, I always say, like, plumbing is sexy right now, guys. You've got to be in the plumbing industry. If you're not in the plumbing industry, you're basically a commodity, right? So if you're in the payment space, you're a commodity. But if you're in the plumbing space that drives all that, like Visa and MasterCard and inter interchanges, and what you guys are doing and what Twilio is doing, what, what, um, uh, what Urban Airship is doing, um, and, you know, a number of these companies, uh, I think that you've picked the right niche, and I believe that from a, from a beacon management perspective, that plumbing needs to be there. And uh, and so I, I love the way that you guys have transitioned. And that's just a lesson for the viewers and listeners is that, you know, if, if you're not in the plumbing space right now, uh, you can be disrupted very, very easily because you're a commodity and it's all based on price when you're a commodity. So absolutely. You know, you can you can change the color of your toilet seat. You can pull out and put a new toilet in. But when was the last time you pulled up the, uh, you know, the foundation and redid your plumbing? Exactly. It's in there. Yeah. And it's hard to get out. Trust me, it's hard to get out. <laughs> And you only need one. Yes. And you flush the toilet. That's the demonstration here. Uh, so go to mahana.io, M-A-H-A-N-A.io for more information about these guys. And uh, we will have them back on, as I said, to, to go through some of their case studies when they're ready and they are able to talk about that. Um, but I want to thank you guys for coming on. Such a short turnaround, but I'm, I'm thankful. This is a great lesson to learn is that, you know, nothing's written, nothing's written, nothing's concrete. Uh, in this in this business world, if you're building and innovating as the things are being created around you, which is very cool, here's a perfect demonstration. Thank you guys for being a part of this. You're welcome, and thank you. Thank uh, you, Rob. It's my pleasure. We've been speaking 
Uh, in order, we've been speaking with Brian Manel, who's the CEO and the co-founder. If you're looking at the screen, he's on the left. And Richard Bagdonis, who's the CTO and the other co-founder, on the right. Gentlemen, thank you so much. You guys out there, go to uh, mahana.io for more information and come back for another episode of Untether.tv. Thanks, gents.